This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland. Today, I've got Tevis Trower. How are we doing? I am so happy to be here, Brett. Thanks for having me. Awesome. It's so good to have you. You, uh, We're going to talk about some happiness habits today, aren't we? Is that one of the things <laughs> we're going to talk about? Absolutely. We're, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about your book, The Game Changer's Guide to Radical Success. We're going to have a great conversation, so I'm really excited about having you. So like always, though, I always like to start off with kind of what's made you the person you are today. Uh, you don't just wake up and coach thousands of people and an author and speaker and all the things that you're doing to impact the world. So maybe give us a little lay of the land. It's so funny. Every time I tell this story, I feel like a different aspect um, comes out, which I think probably a lot of us have some kind of selective storytelling happening when we get asked this question. The I think the story that I want to tell right now is about how I grew up in a family that really encouraged you to think for yourself. And I didn't really appreciate that because when you're a little kid, all you want to do is be like everyone else. All you want to do is fit in with your friends, have the same lunchbox, right? Have right. have the same like kind of hair. And I had a name like Tevis, right? So I even, I was like, oh my God, why do you have to name me that, right? Why couldn't I be Heather <laughs> or Beth? And what's interesting is, is I think that part of the leadership process that I've really come to appreciate is that when we start to give ourselves permission to think for ourselves and to actually appreciate all the ways in which we are not like any other person on the planet, then we start to step into a place that we're making a unique contribution. Like we're able to access a unique POV that actually lets us not be just like that other person or that other person. And I think it's rare. I, I think that, that it, it is so fantastically in opposition to the pack-minded conformity that is natural to human society that, that when you're in the presence of someone who's able to think for themselves, you really feel it. Like it's yeah. really exciting because you know that what comes out of their mouth is not just going to be another parroted cliche du jour, right? You know that you're going to get someone who's really paying attention and who's really curious about where the conversation might go. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree. And don't you, but don't you think that comes with time as well of like kind of learning to trust yourself, trust your gut, get outside your comfort zone, all those things. If you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think 
that I don't think that everyone does step into that way of being. I think everyone can. Absolutely. I think it's yeah. part of our birthright. I mean, it's like having a fingerprint. All of us are different for a reason. I think that the question really becomes, are we able to overcome whatever voices of censure that live inside our heads from growing up? It's, it's a natural part of our nervous system. At what point do we say, wow, I've been listening to that voice all my life. Has it ever really made me happy? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And you're, you're totally right. I mean, has it ever really made you happy? And I think just going through that, though, is how, how do you find that happiness? And I know mm. you talk about that a lot. And I know you've got some things that you like to share. But like, so how do you find that happiness, if you will? And I used air quotes there for people that are just listening to this. Well, you said that happiness. And I think there's a lot of objectification of what happiness is. And I love for- that. Yep. For high performers, for one thing, we love to figure out what the game is and to just nail it, right? Yep. Absolutely. Figure it out, whether we do it because we really follow the rules oh, or we hack sorry. the rules. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, however we go about that, that's what we love and that's what we're motivated by. Now, what becomes interesting is for a lot of us, we find things we're good at and it feels really good. We get the dopamine, right? Which is the reward chemical. And then we get the oxytocin because people think we're cool because we nailed it. It We nailed whatever that it was, whether it was the title, the spouse, the house, the boat, the power, right? The right. compensation, the position in society, right? And then we get the oxytocin. So we get the belonging and At some point, we start to realize that even those chemical rewards that result from the extrinsic rewards are not actual happiness. It's a feel good. It's a moment, right? But they do subside. And we start to embark on what a more profound quest is, right? Which I think is embedded in your model as well. That's really about in this lifetime, what am I going to do with myself? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What like, the hell's going to happen around here? Yeah. Like, like far as I know, I get one shot. As far as I know, I get one shot at this go round and I've done pretty good. I've checked some boxes. I've had some jollies along the way. Do I keep hitting that same lever and get the same cookie? Or if I've got all these skills that let me nail those boxes, how do I deploy those skills to really accomplish something that fulfills my heart? Right. And and some people get kind of spun out and they say, Oh, well, if I do that, I'm going to blow up my life and I'm not going to have any money. Right. 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 Which is not the truth, right? Because so many oh. times I think we put fears in our minds that don't actually happen. It's, it's completely BS. In fact, I would argue that chances are if you're really being true to yourself and you figure out how to do that with all of your imaginary fears of your established social circle, your established professional environment, if you can overcome it in the face of all that, chances are you're going to do even better. And you're probably going to start paying more attention to your intuition and your creativity, and you're probably going to start to perform better and be a lot happier. So it goes. Let's go back to this happiness thing. How do you define happiness? Like, what is your actual definition of it? 
for me, for one thing is it only exists right here and right now. I, I can't project it, right? I can't say when I take that sailing trip, I will be happy. Right. Right. I can't say when I nail that client deal, I will be happy, right? Because we actually don't know. So for one thing, happiness only exists in the present moment. Now, the cool thing about that means that it's always accessible. It's not something that you have to postpone or delay. There's not a delayed response. The, the, the kind of in-your-face piece of it means that it's up to you to access it at any moment. Like, like it actually becomes your job, not someone else to make you happy, not your job, your work to make you happy or your kids to make you like, it's, it's completely intrinsic about what are you bringing? What attitude are you bringing? What state of being are you bringing into the present moment? And so for me, I know that when I am being true to myself in the present moment, like right now I'm being very true to myself, right? Makes me happy. Yeah. Because I'm telling you exactly what I really think and what I've really seen work and what I've really seen function, right? Especially amongst folks like the folks that you and I work with is that when yeah. they can ask themselves, wow, am I really being true to myself in this present moment? Suddenly their average level of happiness when they practice that with consistency goes way up. Now, when they focus on all the extrinsic stuff that they've had decades nailing already, and they really don't have to worry about because the skills are already established, right? That's when that, that, that median kind of happiness level seems to slide down. Right. So yeah. So when you say I practice that, what, is, what does that mean? I practice that to you. What, what does that look like? Um, a lot of it is self-inquiry, right? Which um, it's so funny. I love it that you asked that, that, that question, practice. So when you practice something, it means you're using it, right? You're putting it into practice, right? So I put into practice this question. What am I bringing into this conversation? What am I bringing into this interaction? So when I use that tool, that question, suddenly I start to realize that my experience of this moment is actually on me. It's not on you, Brett. Right? Hmm. It's not up to you to give me a great time yeah. on your podcast, right? It's up to me to really enjoy being here with you on your podcast. That's good perspective too. And I think that you're right. And we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but I think it does go 50, 50. Cause I could be this guy that just, just kind of ho hum. Hey, how do you define success? And on the flip side, I've had people say to me, you know, I'll define it this way, ABC and they're just, they're done. Right. And they stare at you. So I think that energy though is, is if I were to say practice is one being in the moment, showing gratitude or having gratitude for me, I, I practice that. I have to write it down, even the little things. Like I'm, you know, on a cold day, I'm thankful for a warm home, right? As simple as that sounds, but it is practicing the things that you're thankful for because we can just get busy, right? With kids and life and work and all the stuff we got going, you kind of can forget the things that you can be thankful for. So. Well, you pointed out the practice of gratitude, right? That's another great tool 
because again, high performers are always kind of scanning for what's not right. What's not perfect. What, what do I right. want next? What, what's my next, what's my next, what's my next. And we do that. It's so funny too, because it's a great distraction, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's also a black hole. It's unfillable. It's unfullfillable, right? Yeah. So so what's lovely about a gratitude practice is we shift ourselves from what I call the habit of discontent, right? We have a habit of pushing aside even our most recent success, our most recent win, no matter how great it was or how recent it was, we already go, okay, what's next? Like that great thing that we worked yeah. for, that we really like exerted for and that we wanted, like even that is not enough for us. So we've got a default black hole that I call the habit of discontent. So this practice of gratitude, and I know everyone's sick of it. Oh, Oprah's been talking about that for years. Right. Christ talked about it. Like who hasn't right. said, you know, count your blessings, people. But, but what's interesting is when you understand that what you're actually doing is you're interrupting a neurological pattern of having an emotional vacuum, then you go, mm. Oh, holy crap. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. Right. But that habit of discontent, you're so right because I'm guilty of that. I I'm so guilty of, Oh, this big thing happened. It's like, well, yeah, it should have happened. That's what I expect. Now what's next. Next. Very guilty. Next, of next, next. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I talk about that a lot. I ask this question all the time is how do we stay in the moment or how do we enjoy the journey? And I think as I've gotten older, and my kids have grown and you see how they grow faster and you see you know, college coming around the corner and you see all this stuff. It's like, okay, time does need to slow down and I need to be in the moment enjoying the journey versus thinking about, okay, yep, I got to go here, but we got to do this thing at work and I want to do this thing with my clients and oh, this at home, we got to do this. And it's just this constant, you know, that battle, I think that a lot of successful grinding type people deal with. Yeah. And I'm trying to stay in that moment more often. Yeah. One thing I've been thinking about this a lot, because I think that it's almost like a tug of war that we want to be thoughtful and deliberate leaders. We want to be wise. We want to feel that we are exceptional and singular. We want to feel a sense of agency, a sense of sovereignty, right? Like somehow we are different and special. We all want to feel that. But how do you do that when all you're doing is firefighting? Right. And how do you do that when you never pause to actually experience this exceptional being that you are feeling alive? Right. It's it, it's almost like yeah. like this specialness that we aspire to. We think it's going to exist in our head and that somehow that is going to be satisfying to us. And it couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> yep. so what if you just soak into it? I think about that a lot. I know a lot of us have like a morning exercise and maybe a reflection kind of routine. And I feel like my mornings are when, if I can honor it first thing in the morning, it's going to be a lot more accessible to me throughout the day. Like I kicked on my CrossFit right this morning. I do it on Zoom because, yep. because then I don't have to bother driving to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's easy. It's convenient. Yeah. 
go out into the garage. It's still warm enough. And I've got all my stuff out there and she's blah, blah, blind to get everyone set up. So what do I do? I see a beautiful sunrise. I grab my phone. I, I do a run like 300 meter run across my street to a reservoir to get to this beautiful body of water and the sun's rising and the sky is blue and the clouds are pink and the water is rippling and I hear birds. Mm. And it was like, it was a minute that even though, even though I rushed to make the minute happen, one, the urge was there's something special happening just across the street from me. And I don't want to miss it. I love it. And you took a nice picture of it. Oh, I did. I'm going to send it to you and you can post it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's cool. So I go through, I'm a photo geek. I I love taking photos and and probably drives my kids nuts. But what I do every quarter, so I I just did this at the end of the calendar quarter, you know, end of September, I go through the last 90 days on my phone and I'll look at every picture, right? So from what was it, July, August, and September. So from July 1st to the end of September, I go back and I look at every single picture I took, which is hundreds of them. And I write it down in my gratitude journal, everything that I've done that I enjoyed and who I was with, what the date was. And and I, and I relive that moment. And and I have found it's like one of the biggest exercises I look forward to every quarter because you go back and it's like, how often do we really go back and look at our pictures anyway? But to go back and go through those and be like, wow, look what just happened in the last 90 days. And it's the littlest things, right? It could have been a cool walk out around the neighborhood with the kids and we were all together versus being at different places, right? So anyway, just food for thought for our listeners, for you. I mean, when you hear that, what do you think? I freaking love that. And I'm going to tell you why I love that because everyone talks about, oh, social media is so fake because people just post the great moments. So you hear that all the time. Yeah. And oh, it makes other people not feel good because they don't have the... And here's what I want to say about that. Your practice is actually turning that on its head because it's saying, yeah, everyone has these beautiful moments and we forget about them. Yeah. But when we turn back, we actually appreciate the beauty in our own lives, not just impressing other people, but how much are we scrolling through our wall, right? To say, wow, look at my life. This is amazing. So I think that's genius. And I love it when stuff like that flies in the face of what the conventional conversation is, right? Which is, oh, everyone's so fake with all their happy stuff. No. What if all that happy stuff is actually what matters is actually yeah. the beautiful stuff that we should totally. be focusing on more. Yeah. I and I don't know about you, but I mean, awesome. I post a lot, but I don't, I mean, I don't post 95% of the stuff that I do or I'm thankful for. I, I it just, you know, you could do it every day or whatever. And it just, that would get real old, but it would be good to have a, an account. I want to have like a Brett junior account that shows you the bad thing, right? The, <laughs> like, the bad thing that happens. So you get like the good account and then you've got the bad account. I think that'd be kind of cool. And then you could like set up some kind of a, a competition between. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who gets the most likes and the most shares and all that kind of stuff. My and wife did share on Facebook that my second grader had to write sentences, right? And they had all these words that he had to choose from. And he could write a sentence. And one of the words was bear, B-E-A-R, right? Yeah. So his sentence was, my dad drinks bear because he <laughs> thought it was beer. And I'm like, 
So my wife put that on Instagram. I'm like, that is priceless. It's so awesome. <laughs> anyway, so we talked about the habit of discontent, but you talked about you, you have some happiness habits. What, what are some habits you can share with our listeners today that can maybe give them some things to quote unquote practice to be to be helpful for them to get back in that ha- uh, happiness? Okay. I love all of these so much. Honestly, it's so hard to pick one, but I think I want to talk about embracing discomfort, right? Because right now all of us are so uncomfortable Yeah, (laughs) with the world, with our division globally. It's not even nationally with the economy, with it's crazy. Look anywhere you point to, right. And we're really uncomfortable and we are fixers. That's what high performers do. We fix for ourselves and we fix for others. The thing I like about embracing our discomfort is it means that we don't one turn a blind eye to it. We don't pretend that we're not uncomfortable. We step into the whole picture of who we are, which includes negative emotions. I think if there's one thing I look for as a quality of leadership is how aware are you of your shadow side? How aware of you are, are you of the parts of you that aren't always on top of the world, right? Because until we acknowledge that those aspects of us exist, then we're living a falsehood, even unto ourselves. We don't have a real relationship with ourselves. And if there's one thing a leader has to have, you better know who the heck you are. So by embracing your discomfort, it means you're not afraid of it, right? (laughs) which is important. It happens all the time. Being uncomfortable happens all the time. So it's not taking a Hallmark card approach and saying, oh, it's all great. And we're all going to learn from it instantaneously. A lot of times we say those things almost is I'd call it almost a spiritual escape hatch, right? That we just rationalize away the difficulty of what we're feeling. Well, right now as leaders, if we're not able to acknowledge our own discomfort, then how the heck are we able to to lead others who are going through tons of discomfort themselves? So I think that, that, that the gift of everything that we're going through and all the things that trigger our discomfort is that it challenges our assumptions. Well, what did I think life was going to be about? right? It challenges our ego, our sense of identity, our desire for control, our safety zones, right? And the more loosely that we can hold all those things, the more able we are to adapt, right? So anytime that we're really getting crunchy and going, "Ah," step into it, go, oh, wow, this, if it's making me uncomfortable, it's obviously a trigger and it means I got to grow. What is yeah. it that I've got to grow through? So that's one of them. I think I like it. that too. Sorry to interrupt, but I, I just no. think it's so true. Cause I know in my twenties and early thirties, it was like, I just wanted everything to just fit in this perfect little box. And, and, you know, when you get rejection or anything like that, it's like, Oh, I mean, it'd be, it was so frustrating. And it's like, as I've gotten older and progressed in my career, it's like, I've learned that, man, there's going to be crappy days and there's going to be good days. And guess what? The sun's going to shine again. Right. God willing, the sun will shine again. And to your point of embracing discomfort, I have to learn to be okay with it because it's going to happen. Right. And and the faster I call it the bounce back theory, the faster you can respond from that discomfort or that rejection, the more successful you'll be. Right. The most successful people I'm around and see they get bad news. Yeah, that sucks. They deal with it, but then they move on pretty damn quickly. 
I worked with a large tech corporation and they had a policy. I was coaching a couple of their high performers and they had a policy that they would not hire anyone into a senior management position who had not nearly blown it, who, hmm. who, who had not like really faced the worst in their business world personal world, whatever, right? Like you had to be able to really talk about facing down a disaster and how you did it and what you learned, et cetera, et cetera. And it made these people amazing to work with because any challenge that came their way, we always had that to turn back to as proof positive of their own resilience. And harvest your life for those stories, mine it, reflect on it, think about it. We all kind of want to poo-poo it and push it away, right? Back to the black hole thing. But if you can really examine, like, what is some really tough stuff I've been through? Even if it's painful, especially if it's painful, I would say. But but if you can really sit down and look at that, then you're going to know your metal. So whatever you're dealing with right now, suddenly you're going to be like, not, not because I say that you've got this, but because your heart is saying, we're going to figure this out. I, I agree. And, and I think people probably get tired of me saying this, but I call it the comfort zone callus. And it's Ooh. every time we step outside of our comfort zone, right? That callus, we can go around it, go through it, do whatever. Yeah. But we start to callus ourselves up by going to the edge of the comfort zone and then going right back, right towards warm and fuzzy. And then yep. you just keep getting a bigger callus. And it's harder to get through it. So you got to take that uncomfortable step. You got to embrace discomfort to get to a bigger, better life. And bigger, better life. What does that mean? That's for you to decide, right? It's yeah. not, in my opinion, success is is not defined by money. Now, certainly that's part of it, maybe, but it's not the only way. And I think that you know, when you're in your 20s, and maybe you think, oh, I just want to make a lot of money, or I want to do this, but it, it, there's more to it, right? There's more to it, and you can see it on social media. All the people that are only promoting you know, do these things and fly on jets and, you know, all this crap. And I'm like, you know, you know that, I mean, is that really going to make you happy? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. So anyway. Well, but, but even at that point, I think that, that in that stage in your life, and I've heard it said when I was in my twenties, I've heard it said more recently, right. From folks our age. Yeah. I just want to make a lot of money and blah, blah, blah. You got to ask what drive is really underlying that. Like, why did you want to make that money? Because, and I'm not talking about the Simon Sinek why. I'm talking about what is really your longing. And most of us are longing to feel safe, both um, socially and conditionally, right? And so, so when we start to ask ourselves, well, why do I think that's going to make me safe? And what kind of safety is that? Right. Suddenly things get a lot more complex. And that's, I think, the kind of success that you and I stand for. And right. I'm glad for it. So, amen to that. So, what's one more happiness habit you can share with us? Embracing Ooh. discomfort. And what's maybe your second favorite or third? Truly happy high performers know they're non negotiables, they know what mm. they are not going to compromise on. That's powerful. Yeah, they know absolutely what they need in their lives to be the person they aspire to be, they long to be. Yep. They stand absolutely. for being. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I call them my belief system, right? It's part of what's one of the circuits on the circuit of success is your beliefs. Yep. And the most successful people, they know their beliefs to their core and they will let you know that in a respectful way, right? But they're not going to be challenged or pushed or swayed one way because yeah. somebody says something, right? They're going to have that debate and they're going to have that discussion. So that's critically important. That's awesome. So talk to us about this, The Game Changer's Guide to Radical Success. That's your book. It you is. can find it anywhere books are sold. Everywhere. I'm amazed all the places it is. Yeah. It came out last year. I've been honored by Forbes, profiled me because of it. And then they added it to their book or their list of top 12 books for compassionate leadership alongside awesome. Brene Brown and folks like that. So I was really honored by that. I love this book. It came as a result of coaching a couple thousand high performers at places like Bloomberg and The Economist and Disney and NYU School for Advanced Management Studies. So all executive stuff. And it's really about what we're talking about. Honestly, Brad, it's about how do you actually be a leader? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how do you yeah. cultivate that as your default state of being? And the whole notion of radical success is in alignment with what you and I are talking about as well, which is you can go after all the boxes um, society tells you to go for, but the only success that's really going to satisfy your heart is the success that reflects what is radically true of your values, i.e. your core values that you can never be talked out of. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So where do our listeners find more of uh, Tevis Trower? You can find me on all the social media platforms. I'm on the executive board at Fast Company, the coaches council at Forbes. And I've got a little copy of my eight happiness habits for high performers. I'm going to send you Brett so you can share it if you'd like. And I'm going to send you that picture. And if y'all want to get in touch, the name of my company is balance integration and just put a.com after that. And you will find your way to me. I love it. Well, we will put it in the show notes as well. And I love balance integration. We we call it work-life integration, not work-life balance because there really isn't one, right? There's it's, no uh, it's all thing. very unbalanced. It's all so it is. Integration. Yeah, it is, right? Because you have a, a good day at work, you're going to bring that home. You have a bad day at work, vice versa, or bad morning at home. I mean, it just, it is what it is, man. And I think the more we can understand that, the better off we'll be as leaders, as parents, as you know, people in the world today. So, well, Tevis, it has been awesome having you and really look forward to uh, talking and staying connected over the years. Thank you so much, Brad. It's been a pleasure. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.